things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, how wonderful that you love us, and uh, Lord, you will love us forever. We thank you, God, for the precious uh, truth of thy word. And Lord, I pray tonight that it would encourage us, and Lord, that we might go from this place being confident, not in ourselves, but in our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, to rejoice in your goodness and mercy to us. Lord, if there's one without Jesus tonight, I pray that they would come and receive him as their Savior. The door is open. And Lord, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Lord, if there's one that has not received Christ, they'd make that decision tonight and ask him into their heart. We'll give you all the praise, the honor, and glory. I pray, God, you give me your words now in Jesus' name. Amen. A mother once sent her little son out to a, a place that he had never gone to before. He was just a little guy, and uh, he didn't want to show that he was afraid. You know how those little ones are. You know, I'm, I want to be like Dad. I want to be strong. I want to be bold. And, and uh, this little boy, uh, as he was thinking about the place where his mom was sending him to go, he uh, stopped at the door, and he turned to his mother, and he said, you know, it's, it's quite a ways away that I have to go. And, I, you know, I've never been there before, but I'm not afraid. Mom, maybe if you just walked with me a little bit of the way, I'll be able to get the rest of the way. The mother realized that the little one was disturbed about the job that she had sent him on to do, and she went. She says, of course, I'll go with you. In fact, I'll go with you all the way. And she went, and he put his little hand in her hand, and he walked out confidently going to the place where she had sent him. He, was, he knew that everything would be all right while he was with his mom. When General Douglas MacArthur was forced to leave the island of Corregidor in 1942, he told the Filipino people that he would return one day. Upon his return on October 17, 1944, to Lady, uh, Lady uh, Philippines, he said, I see the flagpole still stands. Have your troops hoist the colors to its peak and let no enemy ever haul them down. They went on to victory and delivered the Philippines from the Japanese occupation. These folk were persuaded in a particular situation. The little boy was persuaded that with mom there, it was okay, I can get through it. The Filipino people were persuaded that Douglas MacArthur would come and keep his word. The word persuaded defined is defined this way, cause, it's a cause to do something through reasoning or argument. Merriam-Webster says it's to move by argument or entreaty. Dictionary.com defines per, uh, to be persuaded this way, to induce to believe by appealing to reason or understanding. Christians are to be a confident people. We are not confident in our own strength or in our own ability, but rather we are confident in our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible states that our God, our Savior, He is a Savior and a God. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He's a, he is our, a great Savior and a great God. 
Jude 1.25 says, To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. He's a great Savior. Not just a Savior, but a great Savior. The only Savior. The Lord is in control. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16.31, Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, and let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. The Lord has never gotten off his throne and never will. The Lord reigneth. We can have confidence in that. Psalm 47, verse 8, God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. Isaiah 52, 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, that bring good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Hey, our God reigns, folks. Don't ever forget the fact that our God reigns. We, we see the situation of this world is in such a, a state and such a mess, but I'm telling you, our God is in control. It's in control. The Bible also tells us about our God that there's nothing that he cannot do. Matthew 19, 26, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Maybe you had somebody say, Boy, Pastor, I'd like to see them get saved. I'd like to see them come to the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And people say, Oh, they'll never get saved. Oh, you know what? That's just like saying, That's one God can do. God can do great and mighty things. The impossible with man is possible with God. Luke 18, 27, he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. We can stand firmly in our faith in the Lord. We have a reason to rejoice tonight. The title of the message today is this, I am persuaded. We are going to focus on two important areas upon which we can be confident as Christians. And perhaps tonight you're looking for an anchor for your soul you can find it in Jesus Christ. Boy, people are just kind of floating around all over the place. They're, as far as their, their thinking, their, their emotions and everything, but you have an anchor. If you're a saved, you have an anchor in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him as your Savior, you can anchor to him today and know that you're saved. You say, well, Pastor, what are, what are we persuaded in tonight? Well, first of all, that nothing can ever sever my relationship with Jesus. Nothing can ever sever my relationship with Jesus. Romans 8, verse number 38 and 9. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Apostle Paul wanted the Roman believers to know that once they put their trust and faith in Jesus, their sins were forgiven and nothing could change that relationship. Once we are saved, we are saved forever. I enter into a new relationship. It's important to get some terms fixed in our mind. Relationship and fellowship. Relationship, when you get saved, you enter into a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You become a child of God. You belong to God. You belong part of his family. That relationship will never change. Fellowship is communion. It's being close. 
I know when I was a young boy and I did something that, that I wasn't uh, supposed to do, my parents would uh, uh, find out. They always found out. Mom and dad could always find out. You see, Pastor, I'm pretty sneaky. My, my, uh, my parents never find out what I'm doing. <laughs> Be sure your sins will find you out. They will. Just give it time. But I didn't, uh, you know, if I did something that was bad, I kind of wanted to avoid being around my folks. Because the reason why was not because they didn't love me. It's because I knew I needed a spanking to help correct the, the behavior that was wrong. Uh, I've shared with you before how, uh, now, Isaac, I want you to put your fingers in your ears so you don't hear this. I was in junior high. You didn't put your fingers in your ears like I told you. He says, now I'm listening, Pastor. This is we're probably going to be pretty good. We had a large church, and we had quite a few people on Sunday night. We'd have probably about 600 people would come to church and, and be in our services. And, and uh, the devil just got a thought in my mind. Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun just to skip out of church? Now, I couldn't skip out of church and, and not be, you know, stay at home. That, that didn't work with my parents. But I thought, you know what? This is a big building. There's all sorts of rooms. They would go through, and they would lock up all the rooms. And I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll just skip out of church. I'll hide in one of those rooms. They come and lock, and I'll just have a, have a good old time, you know. Uh, so I, I went in one of the rooms, and sure enough, here comes the person. They didn't check all the rooms. They just locked all the main doors because they had all these side classrooms and everything. And so I thought, wow, isn't this fun? I am fun sitting in a classroom doing nothing. While people are in, they're hearing the preaching of the word of God. So I was just sitting there. And I thought, boy, this is great. Man, don't have to listen to the preaching of the word. Uh, Isaac, I'm telling you, you're not listening like you're supposed to. Or you are listening. His ears are really up now. Um, so as I was sitting there and just, uh, you know, I'd doodle and do some different things like that. Then I figured, well, see, the service is about done. I better, I better get into the service because my parents will be looking to see. So uh, sure enough, the service was about over, and so I scooted in the back and sat in the back. My mom had radar. She wasn't like some moms where, you know what, well, my little Johnny, he can just, or my little Susie, they can just do whatever, and they just kind of wander around. My parents took uh, a personal interest in us, and they made sure where we were supposed to be. They would check and see if we were not there, you know, what was going on. And so my, my uh, mom looked at the place where I usually sat, and uh, I wasn't there. And so I was way in the back. You know, I thought I was going to fool. I was sitting in the back. So when the service was over, my parents, my mom and dad came up to me. And my mom says, how would you like the service, son? I said, oh, it was the best sermon that pastor ever preached. That's lie number one. And they said, so what, uh, which, uh, which point did you like? Oh, I said that second one was the really the best one. See, you know, you can kind of fake it a little bit. That was lie number two. So what was, lie, what was that second point that you liked so much, son? Now they got me. I couldn't think of the second point because I wasn't there to get the second point. Oh, I was caught. And that night when I went home, the Board of Education was applied to the seat of knowledge. And guess what I did, Isaac? You know what happened? I got to sit for a long time, sitting right there by mom and dad, because they couldn't trust me. Praise God for some parents that, 
that cared enough for me to be in the house of God, to hear the preaching of the word of God. They knew what God's word could do for me. I couldn't see it myself. But I thought I was big cheese because I cut out. Well, you know what? I didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, it, was, it cost me more than I had expected to pay. And so, but praise the Lord for that. You know, uh, that's how, the, that's how uh, the devil is. He wants us to stay away from the things of God. And uh, we, don't, we don't always want to hear the preaching of the word of God. But once I'm saved, we're saved. My fellowship was broken with my parents. And I just kind of walked, I wanted to walk a ways away from them because uh, I knew I was going to get in trouble. And I did. Folks, that's what happens when we sin. And, you know, uh, when we open that, enter into that new relationship with God, our relationship, we are adopted into God's family. Never can be unadopted. You belong to the family of God. Your relationship is set forever, but, my, but our fellowship is affected by sin. Sin sh breaks that fellowship with God, that communion with God, that, that closeness that we have with God. You know, the devil will even try and tell us uh, that uh, to doubt our relationship with God once we're saved. He'll tell us, you know what, you're not worthy to be saved. Look at, look at who you are and how, how you've messed up. He'll tell us a lie like this. You know, when you sin, uh, God doesn't love you anymore. Well, can I tell you, John 8, 44, Jesus said of Satan that he was a liar and is a liar. The Bible, Jesus said, ye are of your father, the devil, talking to the Pharisees, and the lust of your father ye will do. He is a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. When people lie, can I tell you, they are following and mimicking their father, which is Satan. That's why Christians should not lie. We have a different heavenly father. When we get saved, we become part of God's family by relationship, and we should not lie. We should tell the truth. Let every man speak truth to his neighbor. There are, there are some who have listened to Satan's lies over and over again, and they feel that because they've done things wrong, they've got to get saved over and over and over and over again. That's a lie from the devil. Once I get saved, once I have Jesus as my Savior, God holds me in his hand. And there's no one that can pluck us out of his hand. Paul didn't want these Roman believers to miss out on this very important truth that once we are saved, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. When you and I think about human relationships, earthly relationships, there are several things that come to mind as far as things that can separate us from one another. For example, death. When death comes, we no longer communic can communicate face to face with people. We can no longer express our love for them. Uh, you know, it's interesting as I've pastored for many years and I've seen people that have been at odds with one another in life. And uh, when a, the time comes and that loved one suddenly is taken away, that person feels a real sense of guilt. They never got things right. There's some psychologists that, that uh, Christians listen to. And the, the psychologists say, well, you know what? What you need to do is write on a paper all the things that you wanted to say while he was alive, he or she was alive and put it in the coffin and that'll help you to feel better. Can I tell you something? It doesn't. That's why you and I, we need to get things right now. The Bible says if we have ought against a brother, we're to go to them now. Why? Because we're not guaranteed of tomorrow. Say, well, Pastor, I'm telling you, these people, they hurt me, and, and I've, I've been carrying this wound for a long time. Uh, 
You know, it, it, he hurt me really deeply. Can I tell you something? You are the one that's bound. The Bible commands for us to get things right. If you've done something, uh, there's, a, there's ought against you and someone else, you need to get those things right so that you can be set free. You say, well, what if they don't, uh, what if they don't accept it? That's their issue. You've done your part. I remember a, a young couple when I was in high school that uh, they, uh, the dad, there was a conflict between the dad and the son, and the, and, uh, the, the uh, dad said, you know what, I'm never going to speak to you because of what you did. Well, you know, he got married to a girl that the dad didn't approve of. So the son went, took his wife, and they, they, uh, they were friends of mine, and they went on and, and continued on their life, and the dad was mad. Well, they had revival in our church. A revival went on not just for a couple of days. It went on for a couple of weeks. And people started getting their hearts right with one another. And uh, that dad had heard a message about getting things right with each other so that you can be right with God. And so uh, he called up the son and he said, son, can, we, can, can I come and talk to you? And the dad went to the place where the son was and he apologized for his attitude and, for his, and things were restored. How wonderful it is to have a restoration. But there's a humbling that comes along with that. Uh, praise God, they didn't wait till death. It had been too late. You know, some people uh, can be separated by life. You know, we get too busy in life, just living life. Some People sometimes drift apart because they're so busy just living their own life, doing their own thing. They become strangers in their own house. A lot of times people are, this person's going this way, this person's going this way, and they're just in, inhabiting a house. It's not a home. And we can drift away. We can be separate in that relationship. You know, others can separate us. You say, well, how is that? Well, when a man and woman get married, they start a new life together as they ought to. The Bible says in Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother shall, excuse me, shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. The son begins to spend more and more time with his wife as he ought to, and mom feels left out because he used to spend more time with mom. And as children come along, they spend more and more time just trying to keep their keep all the things at, at home, and then the mom and dad say, "Wow, what 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 you know? What about us? What about us?" And we kind of drift apart. We feel separated. Others separate. You know, friends can try to divert our attention from the ones that we love. Others can. There was a lady in our church in California, and uh, she wanted to be involved in the youth ministry, and so she started working with the youth and. Her mindset, and her mindset was this. She had a couple boys in the youth department, but she went and she desired to kind of get the kids and her to be the mama figure, and they would start looking to her instead of looking to their own folks. We had to step in and deal with that situation because it was the wrong situation. Folks, we don't, uh, you know, they, she was trying to turn the kids away from their parents. It's not right. But others can try to separate us. You know what? Circumstances also can separate us. A true story of a, of a couple, they had a mudroom in their house and the dad had been working outside and he brought a gas can in and put it in the mudroom 
And uh, while his wife was working in the kitchen, which was right beside the mudroom, they had a little daughter. And the little daughter was there. She was helping mom. And you know how kids are. One minute they're there with you, and the next minute they're not. And then you have to go around and start looking. And what happened is the little girl, she was there, had been working with mom, and all of a sudden she was gone. And so mom decided, you know what, she's, it's pretty quiet. I wonder what's going on. So she, got, she left what she was doing, walked around the corner into the mudroom where the little girl had, was ex examining and playing around. And uh, she accidentally, at that very moment, knocked over the gas can. And the fuel went underneath their hot water heater, and it exploded. The daughter and the mom, the house caught on fire. The paramedics and the fire engines came, and, and uh, they, uh, they came, and they helped the mom and the, and the little girl. And uh, the, the mom was so badly burned, and so was the little girl. They took the mom to one hospital, and they took the little girl to another hospital. And the dad was trying to go back and forth between both hospitals, and they were praying for the time when they would be able to come back together as a family. But one of the things that they were thinking was this. I wonder, because mom and, uh, mom and dad are apart from us, uh, you know, each other, do they still love me? Do they still care about me? reality is they did but circumstances can cause us to feel separated a husband who's traveling on the road a lot can feel separated from his wife separated questions uh, come to their mind well do they still love me are they thinking about me today you know guys think differently a little differently than ladies do ladies kind of think of relationships and they're you know, they think about their husband in the morning and the noon and the afternoon and the evening, and they, they kind of do that. And the wife will ask some, something like this. Honey, did you think about me today? Guys have a tendency to compartmentalize their thinking. Let's see now. From 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, did I think about my wife? Nope. No, 8 to 9, didn't. 9 to 10, nope. Didn't think about her during that time. Oh, 10 to 11. Yeah, I thought about her at 10 to 11. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, 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 I did. Uh, women think differently than guys. Ladies, please be patient with men. They don't think like you think. Uh, guys think logically and try to just give me the facts. That's it. Just give me the facts. I'll, I'll take care of it. Uh, ladies, there's more to it. You want to talk through situations. That's important in order to do that. Uh, so sometimes, as we think about those things, as, as we're separated from one another, uh, it causes that. Future trials can separate us. Future trials that come our way can separate us. Distance can separate us. Just distance. You remember the old Christmas song, I'll be home for Christmas. You know, as a person who's a long, far distance away, and his desire is to be home for Christmas. Um, you know, things happen while a partner is away. Relationships can become strained with distance. All of these things that we're thinking about here that can separate and divide our love and our thinking are all covered in Romans 8, 38 and 39. Notice with me, if you would, Paul said, For I am persuaded that neither death, death, death won't change God's love for me. 
Death is not going to change that. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, and I say willing rather, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Death is not the end of God's love for me. It's an opening of a greater door of God's love. To be able to see him. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Oh, I like the song, face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? Uh, when I shall behold him, uh, Christ who died for me. Hey, think about that. The love of Christ. Death is not going to stop God from loving us. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3. The Apostle John speaks of God's love. He says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Talking about Jesus, they didn't know who Jesus was. Oh yeah, they knew his name, but they didn't know that he was God. They didn't know that he was a Savior. They didn't, they didn't accept him as such. Verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. The, uh, the exciting relationship that we have with God because of Jesus Christ, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Death will not separate us from the love of Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Back there in Romans chapter 8, as we look back there, he lists those things. He said, death won't separate us from the love of Christ. But notice, not only did he say, he says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life Life won't separate me from the love of Christ. You know, if I get caught up in living life, I'm going to definitely miss out on developing a wonderful love relationship with my Savior. And there's a lot of people that have missed out on what it is to be a, to be a Christian, to have a relationship, a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus because they're so busy with life. They don't have time for Jesus. They don't have time for his word. They don't have time to pray. They don't have time just to meditate upon his word and to spend time with him. You miss out on what it is to draw upon his strength and his help. How many times we miss out on the reality of getting to know the Lord because we're too busy to take the time. Folks, time is short. Don't neglect getting to know the Lord in a personal way. Even if I get so busy in that, guess what? The Lord will not stop loving me. I'm glad. I'm glad. He says, nor life, notice, nor others. He's, he talks about that. He says, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, notice he lists a whole group of different things here. He says, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Here in this portion, this word angels is angelos. It's a messenger, an angel. An angel cannot separate you from the love of Christ. If an angel came down, they can't separate you from Christ loving you. Can't. Then he goes on, he says, principalities. Arche is the, the word, and it means to be a chief, a leader, a ruler. It's used in, in reference to fallen angels in, in Ephesians 6.12. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. That word powers is dudamus. 
And he's talking here about fallen angels, angels with power. You know that Satan can't cause you to lose that relationship with the Lord. Oh, Satan seems to be pretty powerful. But can I tell you something? He can't cause God to stop loving you. He can't. And then he goes on to say what he says. Principalities, nor powers, nor any other creature. Any other creature. Uh, Christus is the word, and it means creation. No other creation can cause God to stop loving you. Boy, over the years, I've seen people go down a wrong path. People that are Christians, people that are believers. And uh, they just got caught in the wrong group and gone down the wrong direction. And, and uh, the devil told them, you know what? God doesn't love you anymore. Can I tell you something? Their life is a mess. The way of a transgressor is hard. That's what God tells us. But can I tell you something? That God still loves you. God still loves you. Satan cannot enter into a person that's saved. They are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. This is an important verse for you. Ephesians chapter 1. There's some Bible scholars or Bible teachers. I'm not going to say scholars because they're, they're off on this teaching. But may I share with you, there's some Bible teachers that say, well, you know what, I have Jesus Christ as my Savior and a, and a demon can enter into my life. It's impossible. See, how do you know? Well, he's going to tell you right here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. It says that we should be to the praise of his glory, when we're saved, we're to be to his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were what? Sealed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. He seals you. Well, how long is that seal? Well, he tells us, which is the earnest or the down payment, the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside us is the down payment until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Can you put that down in easier terms for us? Yes. Until you receive everything that God has promised to you as a child of God. I haven't got a new body yet. This one's kind of wearing out. One day, God has told me, I've got, a new, I've got a new body in heaven. I'm going to experience that. Well, until I get there, God says, I just want you to know that you are sealed. You are sealed. Satan cannot break that seal. He cannot possess a believer. He can oppress a believer. You say, what do you mean is that? He sits outside and he tells you, you know what, you ought to go and, and do that. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it looks kind of evil, but that's okay. Just do it. Who, you know, be like everybody else. That's what the devil says. It's okay. Yeah, it'll break your fellowship with God. We don't think about that, but may I share with you that God knows that's exactly what, and his spirit is trying to tell you, hey, you know what? You need to go the right direction. The devil wants us to go in a different direction. So as we think about that, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Sometimes we feel that sin, uh, we, we, we might sin and we let the Lord down. Sin breaks our fellowship, but never our relationship. The Lord loves us. The Lord loves us. Circumstances will not be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Look at verse 38 back there in that portion. Romans 8, 38. Circumstances can't separate us from the love of Christ. He says, 
For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. Circumstances. What if I lose materially all the things that I have? Will God stop loving me? The answer is what? No. Job lost it all. He said, naked came I into the world, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't lose the Lord. The Lord still loved him. What if I'm unable to give to God like I used to because of a change in my financial condition? Will God still love me? Because sometimes the devil says, you know what? God won't love you because you're not giving like you used to give. Can I tell you something? Will God stop loving you? The answer is no. Things change. So be faithful where you are. What if I'm in a coma in a hospital? Will God still love me? I don't, I don't, I can't speak, I can't talk. Can I tell you something? Circumstances are not going to cause God to stop loving you as a child of God. What if I'm in an accident and I lose an arm or I lose a leg? Will God still love me? Hmm. Yes. Things present. Those are things present. How about future trials? Talks about that here. Not only uh, what can I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Those are future trials. We don't know about the trials that are going to come our way this next week. Well, you know, if a trial comes our way this next week that we weren't counting on, God will not love me anymore. No, can I tell you something? God's not going to stop loving you with the future trials that come your way. What if, you just, what if you go the wrong direction when you're supposed to go the right direction? He's still going to love you. Hey, distance will not stop God from loving us. Look at verse number 39. Neither height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Distance will not stop God from loving us. Look with me to Psalm chapter 139 for a second. Psalm 139. Middle of our Bible is the book of Psalms. Psalm 139 and verse number one. I think it's very important to understand this. It's, it's amazing. Psalm 139. David, the psalmist, as he's writing this portion of Scripture, notice what he says. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. <laughs> no one knows you like the Lord does. You can't hide anything from him. He knows your deepest thoughts. He knows what you're thinking, what you're going to be thinking. He says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sittings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. He, he's acquainted, folks, with the secret things that you do. Not just the things that others see you do. He's acquainted with all the things, the things that you do in secret that you think that nobody knows about. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall, shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, 
even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. May I share with you today that distance doesn't cause God's love to cease from us. You know, it's interesting to know that Christians who, are, who know the Lord but are living in sin often try to run away from the Lord by running further and further into sin. But there's no place to hide where God does not see. God still sees and he still cares. He still loves the prodigal son. He waits for him to come home. You know, Paul was persuaded that nothing could separate the believer from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear Christian, God's love for you is eternal. It's eternal. He will always love you. The question we need to ask ourselves on this point, how much do we love him? How much do we love him? Second point I want you to consider as we're talking about this idea that I am persuaded Nothing can separate us from love of Christ. We are, are secure in him forever. But I am persuaded that God will keep his promises, which he has made. God will keep his promises, which he has made. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. The Apostle Paul, talking to Timothy, says this, For the which cause also I suffer these things, nevertheless I am... Not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul had suffered many things because of the cause of Christ. He had endured many hardships for preaching and teaching about Jesus. He had put his trust and his faith in Jesus and was persuaded that he is able to keep that which he, Paul, had committed unto him against that day. His life. God had promised to those who put their trust in Jesus that he would give unto them eternal life. Turn over to the, the book right after this. is Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. Paul says, Paul, a servant of God and a, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. <laughs> God who cannot lie. We have eternal life if we put our trust in Jesus. Paul was confident that the Lord was going to take care of his soul. He promised. May I share with you that God's going to keep his promises. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When we got saved, God began to do a good work in us. And he has promised to continue to keep working on us until we go home. Sometimes the progress is great. Sometimes it's kind of slow. But he's still promised that he's working on us to shape us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 23. Consider, here's another promise that God has made. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy, set you apart holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless is to be without fault, not even coming into the area of guilt. 
And then he goes on to say, verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. God says he's working on making you blameless. You say, oh, pastor, what does that mean? Not coming into the area of guilt. You say, well, what's the difference between blameless and guiltless? There's a whole lot of difference. Guiltless, you're in the area. Blameless is you're not even coming into that area. I use the illustration that I've shared with you before when I was driving one day to go to church on an evening service. I was getting ready to go to choir and got in my car. It was a red car. It was a red uh, Hyundai. I was driving down the road and all of a sudden I saw a police officer. You know those lights when they, when they come on behind you? you, you know, the first thing you usually do is do this. You look down. How fast was I going? I wasn't speeding. I promise I wasn't speeding. There were other times, but not that time. Um, so I pulled over, and a police officer came, and he walked up to the door. I thought, man, I'm already going to, I just had figured out enough time to get to church, to be on time for choir. This was going to make me late. So he walks up, you know, he's taking his time. He's just sombering up to my car, and he's walking up there very confidently, and he said, sir, would you please step out of your car? Well, you know, I've been stopped before, and they don't usually ask you to get out of your car. They usually ask you for your registration and your, you know, your license. That's usually, you know, if you're speeding. I said, sir, uh, I said, what's, uh, is there a problem? He says, please step out of your car. So I complied. I got out of the car, and he said, uh, I said, can you tell me what's going on? He says, well, there's somebody that's been going up and down the road here in a red car, and they've got one of those garage door openers, and they're going down the road, and they're hitting the garage door opener, and it's opening people's garage doors. I don't know how they fixed the garage door opener, but it was opening people's garage doors. And they said that, uh, that your car, uh, somebody said that, you know, you had a red car, and we were driving this area, and, and uh, so we stopped you. We've got a, another a police car that's bringing that person who said they saw the car and the people doing the, the uh, remote control thing and they're bringing that person, they're going to check you out. I just kind of smiled. I said, well, I said, I was on my way to church. And I told him I was a pastor and, and going to choir. So here comes this car, this other police car. The person looks at me and he says, yeah, that's not the right guy. See, I was guiltless, but I wasn't blameless. He said, what, is it? what do you mean? Well, it was on that road that this guy was doing that stuff. And I was on that road. God says, let me just tell you something. Blameless is, I'm across town. I'm not even coming into the area of guilt. God says, I want you to realize as a Christian, God's desire for you, his working in you, is that you won't be caught playing around with sin, but you're going to be far removed from sin. You will be blameless. Today, Christians want to see how close we can play with sin and not get caught. And repentance, sometimes when people get, when they get, they get caught, they're sorry that they got caught, but they just don't turn from their sin. God says, you know what? You haven't learned yet what I've saved you from. We're to stay away from sin, to be blameless. And God says, I'm working on you uh, to, to uh, be blameless. You might wonder, can I really trust the Lord? Can I trust his word? Look at Psalm 19, verse 7, just to consider some things as we close tonight. Psalm 19 and verse number 7. God's word is perfect. Psalm 19 and verse number 7. 
God's word is perfect. You can trust God's word. When God says something, his word is perfect. Psalm 19 and verse number 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect is complete. There's nothing you can add to God's word. You know, there are a lot of people today that they, uh, they come up with a principle, they come up with a truth, and somebody comes and they study that truth and the, or that principle, and then they add to that, and it, it adds to that. There's nothing you can add to the truth of God. Nothing. The, way, the, word, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word of the Lord is perfect. Not only is the word of the Lord perfect, but 2 Samuel 22, verse 31, tells us that the way of God is perfect. It says, for as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all them that trust in him. His way is perfect. What God does is perfect. He puts kings down and he raises them up. You say, well, that's not right, that's not fair. Can I tell you? God's way is perfect. Well, God allowed this situation to happen in my life, and it shouldn't have happened that way. But God says his way is perfect. His way is perfect. Not only is his way perfect, but his work is perfect. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. His work is perfect. With the situation that's happening here at Galilee, his work is perfect. God knows exactly what he wants to do here. He knows who he wants to be, the pastor here at Galilee Baptist Church. He's working all things together for good to them that love God and to those that are the called according to his purpose. You can bank on the promises of God. He will honor his word. As we can cons conclude tonight, have you settled the matter of God's love for you? I hope so. Folks, are you persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of God? Oh, I, I hope you've settled that tonight as we've gone through the word of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God is always going to love you if you're his child. Roman, some might say, well, you know what? If God's love, God loves me so much, then I can go ahead and live like the devil. Well, no, that's not true. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. May it never be. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I'm supposed to be living a new life, a different life. Are you building your life on the promises of God? If not, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? God will never let you down. He will keep his word. I pray tonight that because of God's truth, you can be persuaded. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. What God has promised, the promises, this is God's promise book to you. Why not delve into the promises and see what God's promised for you? It's amazing. Some great promises that God has for us. Tonight, we can be encouraged and helped if we just fall deeper in love with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the precious promises of your word. Lord, that there's nothing that can separate us from you once we have put our trust and faith in you. You love us. 
even at times when we've gone astray, even times when we've not done what, we've, what we should. It's affected our fellowship. But Lord, you said if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, I pray tonight that God, you would give us a sweet fellowship with you. Lord, that we would rejoice in your goodness and your mercy and love for us. Father, tonight I pray that we would, that we would just look more and delve into more of the promises that you have for us in your word. And Father, may we have a confidence in our Savior and in you. Father, we thank you and we praise you tonight. Lord, if there's one without Jesus tonight, I pray that they would put their trust and faith in Jesus as their Savior to realize they're a sinner who needs to be saved. You've sent a perfect sacrifice, Jesus, to be their Savior. He died, he buried, was buried, and rose again. And if they'll just put their trust and faith in him and ask him to come into their heart, he will save them tonight. Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. The song is number 280. I want to encourage you tonight to please stand. And Brother Scott's going to lead us in that song of invitation. Uh, if you're not sure you're saved tonight, I want to encourage you to come and get saved. Ask Christ to be your Savior. Maybe tonight.